a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. To see, to see the face of God is to be destroyed. So God now veils himself in, in the flesh and blood of Jesus. And he uses that, those means, namely his flesh and his blood, his life and, and his death, he uses those means to save us. And when we were baptized at the font with God's name placed upon us, the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, with the sign of the cross being placed upon our forehead and our hearts marking as ones redeemed. We were adopted as sons of God. Uh, I think... Oh, huh? 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 <laughs> oh, oh. Are we doing the show now? Is the theme over? This is your brain. This is your brain on Table Talk Radio. Welcome to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Fast what about Wolf Table Talk Radio making dreams come true? I don't know that that... Well, it depends on the dream. Well, and it also depends on... If we help, really do help people fall asleep. <laughs> I was thinking uh, helping nightmares come true. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, how's, how's it going? Yeah, great. Good, good. Well, hey, I'm excited about today's show. We're playing Witch Ladder all day long. All day. <laughs> and Nothing but Witch Ladder. Yeah. It's a Witch Ladder marathon. Yeah, which I'm I mean, sure... look, if the ladder goes up to heaven, you're going to be climbing on it. For a long time. Yeah. It's an eternal it's like, climbing. This is not which ladder. This is almost like the Stairmaster edition. <laughs> you know, the stairs that go up forever. What was I watching? Some, was this Gaffigan who says this? Stairmaster? Who thought of that? Let's make stairs that never end. <laughs> and don't get you anywhere. You, I'll Stairmaster. Even, I'll even let you throw money in a trash for a fee. <laughs> for a small fee. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we should have an edition of Table Talk Radio where we just quote Gaffigan the that, entire that, time. That is Table Talk. I mean, that's oh. like every... Already? Okay. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, so we'll, so, we'll... We're doing be... Table Talk Radio? Why didn't someone make an announcement? <laughs> is he daydreaming? <laughs> uh, I sent out the Jim Gaffigan on the Wednesday Whatnot the other day. Hey, remember the Wednesday Whatnot? If anyone listening is interested in receiving a weekly email from me, you can go and sign up for the Wednesday Whatnot at wolfmuller.co. You and I could always use since more you junk asked me about that. Inbox. <laughs> That's right. I got you covered on that front. You were sitting around like, what do people need more of? <laughs> ah, useless emails. That's it. Ah. That's right. <laughs> so, what's an example? Give us a lineup of a typical Wednesday Whatnot. Uh, I just sent one out this morning because it's Wednesday, and I put, um, let's see, I had a quotation from the uh, Apology of the Augsburg Confession, or a list on the three uh, godly uses of the saints, how we think of the saints rightly according to our um, our Lutheran doctrine. And then I put uh, I put a G.K. Chesterton quote in there where he says, the pagan gods were too lawless, and um, and the Christian saints were sometimes too serious. But our modernists are both lawless and serious, which is the worst possible combination. So that is in there. And then I put a link to Trello. You know the Trello app? I mm -hmm. said, hey, if you, have, if you don't know about Trello, you should check it out. It's pretty helpful because, you know, we use it, et cetera. And then I put a link to an article that uh, some kind of Christian uh, apologist wrote about uh, the differences of rhetoric. I mean, how we argue in person versus how we argue online. And and it has a reminder in there that says, hey, we have to remember that we're arguing for something. 
uh, that, that, that we have to remember that the point of this whole thing is that the good and the beautiful and the true is at stake. And then a bonus, I think I had a couple bonuses this week. I put in a link to this article by this Australian comic uh, where he talks about Islam and modernity and a lack of the sense of humor. So it's kind of a riff on uh, G.K. Chesterton's quote. And there's this great line in there where apparently someone said that uh, about Muhammad that he was laughing so hard that you could almost see his teeth. <laughs> and this article is really interesting. It pulls out the restrictions on humor from the Quran and the Hadith. And um, and it talks about how political correctness is doing the same thing. It's a really interesting article. So that got in there as well. So that's the that's a typical Wednesday whatnot. All right. Well, I'm glad that we are not about humor here on this show. No, trying to avoid it at all costs. That's right. We did and that unless once. someone listening is laugh so hard that they they see their teeth. I mean, what, I, what do we? I, I, what because do we, I think our number one objection when when we say something that's a little controversial, um, the, the objection that our opponents usually have is that. Well, they laugh the whole time, which yeah. is a very, I, I realize is a very substantive um, objection. But so it, it, to to combat that, we had a show. It was the No Laughing Show, and we lost Table Talk Radio points every time either one of us laughed. Really? I don't remember <laughs> that at all. It, it was a real thing. <laughs> do we do that? Yeah. Did I tell this joke, my favorite joke? Ready? Yeah. This will, all right. Try not to laugh. What did the lawyer say to the other lawyer? We are both lawyers. Do you know why that's really easy not to laugh at? <laughs> because I've heard you say it three other times before. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I can't not laugh, and I'm telling the joke. Anyway. I, your best jokes come from your children. <laughs> yeah, I know it. What's the kindergarten class got for jokes for me? I got a Wednesday whatnot. <laughs> up. Anything from school, guys? Come on. Help yeah, me out. I know. I know. The Wednesday whatnot kind of dries up during the summer. You know. This from Mrs. Johnson's first grade classroom. <laughs> it's like the joke that you get on the, on the stick to the popsicle. Yeah. Anyway, we got to get to it, man. We got ladders to climb. All right. Well, we need to do some buzzwords first. My buzzword for you is iniquity. Uh, iniquity is sin, and uh, Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Oh, beautiful passage. I, th- I was trying to figure out the other day, which means for 11 years, the difference between sin, iniquity, and transgression. Yeah, I was trying to figure that out for about the last 11 seconds, and yeah. I don't think... Well, there's a thing. So sin, I think, is a breaking of the gods of God's law. Transgression speaks specifically of kind of 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 going over the line. So it speaks of the law as as border and and going beyond the bounds of the so, law. But transgression and trespass be pretty much. the same Yeah, thing? yeah, 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 yeah. They're right. Related to each other. And then iniquity is the guilt that results from sin. Hmm. So forgive the iniquity of my sin. So that iniquity is the is the kind of guilty state that results from so that's my kind of very quick, to, but it's really interesting that they all come up together. So, um, uh, so uh, in the scriptures, like Psalm thirty two, I'm turning to it now. Has it? It it has it. They'll be listed together. Uh, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. See how that goes, yeah. and then and then this, this is a chiastic uh, use of all three of those words in verse five. I acknowledge my sin to you, my iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess 
my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. So see, sin, iniquity, transgression, iniquity, sin. Uh, that's a beautiful text, by the way. And and the you know the older translations of the Lord's Prayer, where instead of um, trespasses, we have debts. Yeah. And uh, the idea of of debt is that uh, a payment is owed. It's a, it's a very forensic uh, term. Very helpful. And then uh, I think the the contrast of that then is that we have reconciliation. So that uh, that uh, in Jesus He pays the debt and brings us back to zero. That's right. All right, you have a buzzword for me? I do. Uh, it is mysticism. Uh, and mysticism is the, the, is the, uh, is the religious um, movement to put people on a path, uh, a direction towards the experience of the internal, immediate uh, unity with the divine. So that's a complicated... Is that the definition that we normally use? No. That's about the definition that we normally use, isn't it? The idea of immediate means that there's no means. The internal means that it's inside of you. Uh, unity with the divine nature means well, just what it is, that you touch God, etc. Touching God, basically. Touching God on the inside. That's what mysticism is. Great. Well, the three ladders uh, are moralism. That's the ladder of uh, the will, being good, being right before God, but through my actions, through my choices, through my obedience. Uh, then there's the ladder of uh, intellectualism, the ladder of the mind, which is uh, rationalism. And then there's the ladder of the emotions, and that is the ladder of mysticism. So that's hey, that's we... the buzzword. <laughs> I thought I could get away with it. So I saw how you put it last to try so... to get it in there. <laughs> I know. If I talk long enough, he'll get distracted and start checking email again. I was checking my email, but <laughs> I was waiting for you. I'm going to give you 25 points using the buzzword. Score. Okay, so this is what I did, and um, we might uh, uh, we might talk about the ladders a little bit. I get these queued up, but I I can't remember who published this, but someone published an article entitled uh, "25 Most Influential Pastors um, of I don't know the Century" or something like that. And so I I grabbed six different um, little preachers here, and do you have do you have some dye ro- rolling around there that you could uh, you could no. You could, do you think you go to like a website that has fake roll dye that you can dice? Do? <laughs> okay, roll the dice? <laughs> because I, I got a list of videos here and uh, some snips that we could listen to to play a little witch ladder. And you have something too. Uh, yeah, I got out the book called The Encyclopedic Dictionary of Cults, Sects, and World Religions. Revised and updated. Our guy, Al Schmidt, did this, uh, worked on this book. Wait. Um, and so wait, wait, we can you play. S- you said yeah. it was a, huh? a book? Yeah, it's a book. What is that? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm a published author now, so I got to read books. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You're, I'm, you're, a, I'm, a, I'm a almost published author. You're re-emphasizing the importance of books all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Hey, books are great. That's like, hey, Pastor, I how read those you all the time. On, <laughs> on on how great books are, and and next week it looks like your sermon is titled "The Joys of Paper and Ink." What's going on? <laughs> I got the I got the random.org dice roller. You ready? Yes. One. Snake Eye. All right. So our first one that we'll be listening to, it'll be from Joel Osteen, your favorite, hey, hey. the number one most influential pastor in the entire it's world. Amazing to me. It is. Oh, it's really sad. Well. Um, so we'll be doing that first. Uh, we'll do a hit, hit a quick break, and then which ladder right after this? Cause heaven was waiting at the top. Jacob's Ladder. Table Talk Radio. Unscripted. 
unprepared, unashamed. The Daily Bible Meditation blog is at rightlydividedbible.wordpress.com, where three chapters of the Bible are considered each day. Check it out. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We are playing the game, Which Ladder? So uh, I have a clip from our number one most influential pastor in America and I think throughout the world, Joel Osteen. And you have to decide whether this is uh, moralism, uh, the ladder of the will, trying to reach God by my actions, doings, morality. Um, The ladder of rationalism by having a certain intellectual standing or a particular... Uh, thought or rationalization that makes me right before God? Or is this a matter of the emotions, a matter of mysticism? So without further ado, here is Joel Osteen in his sermon entitled, Your Words Become Reality. Oh boy. (laughs) Crowned me with his favor, called me more than a conqueror. That means you can't defeat me. You can't hold me back. Mountain, you've got to come down. I will overcome this illness. I will break this addiction. I will pay my house off. I will see my family restored. I will accomplish my dreams. What am I saying? Prophesy victory. Prophesy breakthroughs. Prophesy what you're believing for. In the Old Testament, Ezekiel saw a vision. He had this dream of this valley filled with bones. Everywhere he looked, it's like a huge graveyard, acres and acres of bones, people that have died. Bones represent things in our life that look dead. Situations that seem impossible, like they'll never change. God told him to do something interesting. He said, Ezekiel, prophesy to these dead bones. Say to them, oh, you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Ezekiel, in this vision, he started speaking to the bones, telling them to come back to life. He called forth skin, muscle, tissue. As he was talking, these bones started coming together. Okay, I think we get the gist of that. Uh, this is what our friend Chris Rosebrah, you remember Rosebrah, yep. Fighting for the Faith, Pirate Christian Radio, et cetera, et cetera. He calls Narsa Jesus, <laughs> which is, which is uh, the exegetical work of reading yourself into the text. Right. Hey, Ezekiel was a prophet. So am I. Ezekiel called bones to be resurrected. So can I. Jesus says, uh, you have faith to move mountains. And then what's the mountain there? Well, it's not actually a mountain. It's illness or debt or family problems and i prophesied to the mountain move mountain this is joel osteen has a like a a hyper anthropology i mean he's he is he's like a hyper oh what do we call it guys that um uh had the free will uh oh and then we had the neo what are they plagian yeah yeah. he's like a hyper pelagianist so pelagius said that we have the free will to do good but but joel osteen teaches that we have the capacity with our words to do magic to to uh, affect god that faith is like this spiritual gravity that draws blessings to ourselves it's really a a really nasty anti-biblical worldview and uh, theology that he puts forth but i've had this thought and i want to get your reaction to it that uh well obviously the 
word faith preachers like Joel Osteen are way off. They at least have something in their theology that has that the word is efficacious. It's just efficacious for all the wrong things. <laughs> yeah, the, the, but it's not the efficacy of God's word. You see, it's the efficacy of my word. It's the word made efficacious by faith. See, it's so that the uh, the the power of the word is not bound up to God, but bound up to me. That's the real demonic error of the thing. Now, they so they do speak of the efficacy of the word, but whose word is efficacious? Well, it's my word that's efficacious, whereas we speak of the scriptures. God's word is what's efficacious. Ah, but that, that, there is some efficacy there. You know, most American Christianity doesn't have the efficacy of any word. God's word is just pure information. Yeah. Okay, so is there a ladder being climbed here? Uh, what would this be? This is a tricky one. Um, uh, let's see. We've got moralism, the ladder of the will. That's in there. Because you got to make it, you know, claim it. It's your act. There's mysticism, which the mysticism here is probably the, most, the strongest. And that is that God is inside of me. In fact, in some ways, it's the divine spark in us, which is the basic anthropology of the mystic, that we all have the divine spark, which is different than the divine image. I don't know. Should we talk about that? Sure. That, that, that distinction between, so we all speak of having the image of, being created in the image of God, that image being lost, and that image then being restored uh, through baptism. That That's the biblical way of talking about the image of God. The mystics always talk about the divine spark, that there that we are like a, you know, the camp, you got the campfire, and then the, and then it, it, uh, the wood pops and the spark flies up. And this, the, the fire is the divine nature, and the spark is us, each individual, flying up out of it, hmm. and then eventually returning back down to it. I've always and, wondered what that spark was. Thank yeah, you. It, and look, it only takes a spark <laughs> to get a fire going. <laughs> and soon, all those around can warm up, and it's glowing. Hmm. That's how it is. Yep. With mysticism. So uh, th- this is... Uh, uh, the. It, it, the, the image of God is the reflection of God. But the, you see, the difference between the image of God is it makes me God's handiwork as distinct from God, whereas the spark makes me a little piece of the divine nature that's being shared. And that is um, that is a, a completely different way of looking and thinking about things. Um, so you know how I'm always interested in um, greater productivity? Oh, yeah. I know um, all about that. Yeah. Well, I started to check emails while you're talking, and I got an email at 6.31 a.m. called Wednesday Whatnot. And yeah? Then I got an email at 8.04 a.m. called Wednesday Whatnot, and I got an email at 8.22 a.m. called Wednesday Whatnot. That's awesome, huh? <laughs> hey, did, <laughs> did you, you look, look at, forward to? Did you notice the timestamp on that? You're like, wait a minute, that's when we were recording. Wait a minute. How did hey. that happen? <laughs> I sent out, the reason why you got the two extra is because I sent the, the sign up for the Wednesday whatnot for a second and last time to everyone who subscribes to the devotions and to the Bible studies. So I'm trying to harvest all the people interested Wait a in those. I'm signed up lists. to more of your propaganda. You are signed up not only to receive the Wednesday whatnot, <laughs> but also the weekly around the word Bible study and also the weekly around the word devotion. I like how you said that I am signed up, not that I have signed up, because there is a <laughs> difference between those two things. It asked me the other day. It says, "Did did this person give you permission to sign them up for this?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't lie to robots. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so why don't we? So are you going with the mysticism on this? 
Uh, I'm gonna, uh, it's, it's, a, it's mysticism tempered with moralism. It's the, it's hyper mysticism with the, and so with this kind of a divine moralism in there. Okay. Yeah, but yes, that's what I'm going with. All right. I like it. So before you move on to yours, would you roll your dice again so I can get this queued up while you're, while you're doing yours? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How do I do this? Roll again. Six. Six. Okay. So we are now next going to be listening to, Oh, uh, Franklin Graham. Oh, there you go. So we'll uh, we'll get that queued up. Okay, go ahead with yours. Now, can you do a random thing? D- give me a random page between one and five hundred. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all right. Let's see what we got here. This is uh, it is actually proving to people that we really actually don't do any show prep. Some people say, "Oh, come on." All right, my random number is one hundred and eleven. Okay, one hundred and eleven. Surely you guys do hours of show prep for that kind of professional production. Surely. Oh, this will be interesting. This is uh, the Foundation of Human Understanding, the FHU. (laughs) Are you kidding? Uh, I'm not kidding. You know all about it. (laughs) Ruben Obermeister, today known as Roy Masters, is the founder of the Foundation of Human Understanding. Do you want to do this one? Yeah, I'd love to, but you should read more about it. He claims to have hated his mother, has feelings of anger toward his father, and propounds that so, most social ills are instilled by children in children by the corrupting influence of parents. His followers have been timed, at times referred to as Roybots. Where does this guy come from? Answer, Rogue River, Oregon. Hmm? <laughs> no. This grand's past 30 minutes away. Am I right about that? Uh, Doesn't he come from right down the street from you? Well, yeah, yeah. He... he um... He's down the road in Grants Pass area, but uh, okay. anyway, uh, here, uh, here I'll give you some of the teaching. Okay, uh, uh, or do you want history or teaching? What do you want in this thing? I got tons of stuff here. Oh, teaching for the sure. Stuff. Okay, um, religion plays an important role in the basic belief systems of the foundation and is mixed in with philosophy and psychology. The key ingredient in Master's menu in his belief in the power uh, is the power of meditation. Passantino and Ehringborg note. Rather than starting with a well-defined theology and moving to resulting religious practices, the foundation has seemingly started with religious practices, meditation methods, and gradually evolved uh, an inconsistent theology from the meditation. Masters writes, Through meditation, you will begin to see that all of your troubles come from, one, doubting the truth, two, being ambitious, and three, living out of the emotional upset which results from and perpetuates the first two mistakes. Your futile attempts to deal with symptoms and to com- compensate for your guilt have only made matters worse. Well, uh, we need to take a break. We're out of time, but we will talk about Roy Masters, which is a big deal in the area that I live, as uh, this program is heard also in Rugover, Oregon. And if you are listening especially, stay through the break. And we're talking about Roy Masters in terms of which ladder right after this. We are climbing most persevering listeners in radio. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Our friends over at Ad Crucem have put together a great store with discerning Christian art and designs. They've got collections, Christmas stuff, housewares. They've got a number of pieces of art. My favorite is the greeting cards that they've put together. 
which not only combine ancient Christian art, uh, they also have great theology, rightly dividing law and gospel. And they're cards for all occasions. You've you got your Christmas cards, Easter cards, baptism and confirmation cards, which are impossible to find. And, and they all have comforting scriptures. So they're beautiful and uh, and they deliver the message of Christ crucified for sinners wonderfully. So visit the folks at Ad Crucem at their website, adcrucem.com, adcrucem.com, uh, and you can find it all there. I save all the good stuff for grappling with the text, a little video Bible study that you can find at worldvieweverlasting.com. <laughs> Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We are playing the game called Witch Ladder, a game where we analyze whether something is trying to climb the ladder of moralism, mysticism, or rationalism. In the random page generator, (laughs) we came across the uh, Foundation for Human Understanding. Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. I I sent you the text, too, to prove that it was actually on that page, (laughs) which you don't believe. Good stuff. Um, and and the, the, the teacher, main teacher of this Foundation for Human Understanding is someone by the name of Roy Masters. Now, uh, Roy Masters, uh, I think, has some, some level of training in psychology, and uh, he dabbled in, in um, hypnotism for a while. And through dabbling in mis- – uh, sorry, dabbling in – sorry, that was a Freudian slip <laughs> – dabbling – in um, in hypnotism for a while, he came to the conclusion that it's not that people are being hypnotized; it's that everyone is hypnotized and they need to be dehypnotized. Hmm. And um, one of the main things that he focuses on is uh, resentment, anger, and pride. You are listening to the Tabletop <laughs> Radio. Yeah. Right. Are you trying to dehypnotize you people? You <laughs> are listening to. to... So, I was looking for that book, How to Hypnotize Your congregation from the pulpit but i couldn't find it that a cph work you are listening to table talk <laughs> so radio. so okay so that one of the big things you is that you all right yourself. you're you're this far from ex, ex, uh, you executive are session. laughing at our hilarious all right now that we have a little peace and quiet um <laughs> that uh you have these issues of resentment against your father or your mother or, or your brother or whatever it, whatever it might be and um as long as you're holding on to this then your focus is on the person. And so through various uh, what he calls uh, meditations, uh, you free yourself from, from the resentment that you're holding or a particular pride or, or push down the ego, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, it, one of the more popular um, figures that's a lot like Roy Masters is Eckhart Tolle. Have you heard of this guy? Um, or uh, Deepak Chopra is somewhat like this. Deepak's a little bit further. But it has the same kind of uh, Eastern mysticism traits, uh, combined, though, with a lot of kind of practical moralism. And because of those two things, um, people will get over particular issues in their life that they really were resenting someone and through these techniques finds uh, some relief from this uh, bad attitude or whatever that they had and then and then they're just hooked because this must be then uh, gospel truth and in the work that i've done i'm actually kind of doing a little project on this i want to i want to come out with something a little bit more formal a, an article or something to try and get um my, my arms around this but i think that what we see in roy masters 
is a combination of all three ladders. And it comes out in this way, uh, mysticism in the sense that uh, really that there's a, a, well, kind of what you're just talking about in the uh, previous segment, this divine within that God is speaking to you. So they'll talk about, um, you know, uh, uh, you're driving down the road and you get an inclination that you need to take this exit. Well, that's God speaking to you. And he may be telling you to take this exit so you avoid a car crash. Uh, down the road, or you're walking down the street and you see a, a piece of glass in the street, and you have this intuition that you need to pick up the glass, and uh, that's God speaking to you to do these things. So there's definitely a high level of mysticism going on, particularly in the meditations and everything like this. Um, but it's moralism uh, too, in that um, these things are lighting, uh, guiding you to do uh, good things um, that uh, through overcoming resentment through overcoming being influenced by the outside and really being you and, and listening to the one within you're you're finally doing those things that you're supposed to do and not just living under the influences of society or your parents or guided by the resentment and hatred of your neighbor so there's the two ladders and then the rationalism comes in is when um he becomes very kind of a you know anti anti-church and that he has these secrets, and the the church or a pastor or whomever becomes a, a aspect of oppression, so that he can give you give you these secrets that because he has you know kind of the the uh, the truth that not the average Joe with the Bible has um, does not regard the Bible as divinely inspired but is a document that has some, some good moral teachings. So you really have the, the latter trifecta, which I think is what makes him uh, so effective. But it, is, it does fit the definition of a cult, and a, the definition of a cult is someone who takes a traditional accepted religion and then changes some major tenant of that religion and offers themselves as the keystone or the gatekeeper of the the truth behind a, a particular re, uh, religion. So, like Kabbalah is a um, is a cult of uh, Buddhism. Is that right? Um, uh, Kabbalah is Judaism. Oh, Judaism. Sorry, that's what I meant. Uh, Judaism. That's okay. And in the same way, I was way, barely paying attention, but I caught that one just with the side of my ear. <laughs> Boom. And the same way, I think uh, he <laughs> he takes to some extent. Christianity and Judaism to try and make it his own little cult following. So that's a long answer to a ladder trifecta that we have in Roy Masters. You, you know, I think you're right about this. I mean, the more ladders you can get people um, uh, climbing, the more sturdy you are. So when we look at the major religions in the world, we see that they are all doing that. They're sending people up every different ladder to storm into heaven. And, of course, the problem we remember with all the ladders is that it's not our... Theology is not about us climbing the ladder, but about Christ descending to us, Jesus coming down to us. But, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, you have selected Franklin Graham as your next in oh, influential yeah. pastor in America. And here's a bit of his sermon. Um, and I don't know the title of his sermon. It just says, One Sermon by Franklin Graham. <laughs> huh. I have no doubt that my soul is secure in the hands of God. And I know that one day my life is going to come to an end. I know that. But I know at that moment, I'm in the boat. And I'm in the boat with my Lord. 
And he's going to take me through that final storm, that final storm of life. And he's going to take me into his presence for eternity. That's my hope. Okay? That's my hope. And my question to you, have you put your faith and have you put your hope and your trust in Jesus Christ? Is he your savior? Are you living for him? Is he the Lord of your life? I don't want to invite you tonight. Right now, wherever you are, count the cost of this decision. Don't take it lightly. But if you're here tonight and you're not sure, you're not sure that your sins are forgiven, if you haven't been living for him, and you want to say, Franklin, I'm, I want to make sure tonight. I want to get things right. You see, I had gone to church. Okay, there's a clip. There you go. There it is. That's the... Uh, oh, we weren't just talking about this on this show, were we? Nope. We were talking about making a decision for Christ for an hour just in this show, <laughs> were we? we, we Seems we, like we, we just could, had a long conversation about this, but we maybe it wasn't this show. We could extend Table Talk Radio to a two-hour program and just call oh, the Lord first half mercy. something else. <laughs> <laughs> Got any ideas? Oh, I'll work <laughs> Okay, now this is the classic decision for Christ. It's amazing to hear the language, you know. It's your decision. It's time for a decision. And what, and what is the basis for the decision? Let's see if we can kind of tease this out a little bit. The, 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 the foundation for the decision is your lack of sureness. Maybe you're not sure if your sins are forgiven. And then, and then uh, there is a, also a certainty that you, and it's defined like this, you have not been living for him. And then the definition is, the, 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 the key word that comes in there is the word Lord. You have not made Jesus the Lord of your life. Now, can, can we just consider for a brief second the irony of that statement? That if you are making someone something then who is the Lord of that sentence? <laughs> well, I, I suppose I am. So that you are, if you are making someone else to be something according to you, you are acting as a Lord. But you now acting as a Lord are making Jesus into the Lord. Do you see that? It's, it's really incredible. So that you start with the assumption of the freedom of the will. And the, this is uh, Pelagianism. So maybe it's semi-Pelagianism. Who knows? Uh, what we talked about earlier, this, that we have the freedom to act according to our own will. And that that is the key thing in becoming a Christian. It's revivalism. It's what we call decisionism. And that's what's going on there. Now, it, it's partially... Okay, there, this is also going to be both... Uh, I think, well, all three, again, rationalism, moralism, and mysticism. Chiefly, it's going to be moralism because it makes the beginning of my Christian life my own will, an act of my own will. It's going to be rationalism because it's, the, it's argued for rationally and presented very rationalistically. But it's going to be mysticism in this way, that not only is my Christian life begin with the act of my will in choosing to follow Christ and choosing to believe in Jesus, but my will is brought through the rally, through the preaching, through the music, my, my emotions are brought into service of this decision. So nobody ever just walks up on stage and says, hey, uh, you, you want to become a Christian? Well, then pray this prayer. It's always got to be after the praise songs and after the preaching and then after the emotional appeal. 
So the assumption with the with the decision for Christ is that my will is free, but also my will is open to emotions, and that is um, uh, dangerous and false according to the scriptures. So are you saying that if you, if you have an appeal to a decision, oh, we're out of time. Okay, this is my question from the other side. If if you have the appeal to decision without the appeal to the emotion, there is no decision. We'll be right back. Uh, yep. Oh, you're, well, oh. <laughs> sorry. I'll answer it on the other side of the break. <laughs> Ooh, stay tuned for that. What a cliffhanger! <laughs> hey, daily devotions for your family. Around the word is found at what does this mean dot org. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. We're playing the game Which Ladder, where we see, are you climbing the ladder of moralism, mysticism, or rationalism? And we listen to Franklin Graham, who implored his listeners to make a decision for Christ. And Pastor Wolfner, you made the case that uh, that that can't be done unless there is first a emotional tug. Is that your thesis? Yeah, so, so that, you know, we often talk about the problem with the decision for Christ is that it teaches that the will... Uh, is has the option, the choice, the freedom to make a decision for Christ, which is which is not true. The Scripture denies it. But then there is the second thing that it also implies, and that is that the will is manipulable, manipulatable. Uh, what's the and, word? And other fake words. <laughs> yeah. That the will is open to manipulation, so that my will is free but manipulatable. And that that is the basic perspective that most Christians, when they look at you, the non-evangelical Christian, they look at you as someone who has a free will, but your will is open to manipulation. And now the problem is that preaching and worship becomes manipulation. So this is why uh, a guy couldn't just walk down the street and say, hey, you want to make a decision for Christ? Hey, you, you want to make a decision for Christ? Do you want to make you want to make Jesus your Lord, um, because uh, there isn't the lead up of the emotional tug. Is that kind of right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I I then want another page out of your your book a uh, book of tricks. Yep. Um, page... This is great. This is like I I saw this book at the used bookstore wherever it was, and I said, "This is Table Talk Radio Gold." I'm ready. Page what? <laughs> Two sixty nine. 269 says, hey, Seventh-day Adventism. Huh. Okay. uh, And it's on the theology page, so there you go. God. Adventists teach that God is revealed in the three persons of the Holy Trinity and as is taught in uh, historical and Orthodox Christianity. They hold to a seven-day creation. Jesus Christ. Earlier Adventist theology had held to Jesus' full deity with respect to his divine nature, but some had insisted that there was some confusion with respect to whether Christ's human nature was sinless. Adventist doctrine no longer invites such ambiguity, etc. As explained above, the fourth commandment of particular importance to Seventh-day Adventism, that's the, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, which is understood as an ultimatum that God had ordained to the, the Jewish Sabbath as the correct day of the week to be worshiping. Jesus, they argue, worshiped on the Sabbath, and it's a sin for his followers to do otherwise. The Sabbath teaching concerning worship is contrary to the teaching of traditional Christianity. Uh, oh, here, and it's going to have the argument against it. Oh, that's not so exciting. Uh, the sacraments, the church, the gospel. The gospel is the good news that Jesus died for the sins of the world, etc. Okay, so with Seventh-day Adventists, um, 
You know, this is this is kind of an interesting topic. We ought to get someone more knowledgeable than either lumpy. of us. Oh, lumpy. Because I've always understood Seventh-day Adventists to be a Christian denomination, as uh, many people do. Um, though, as that article started to mention there, with some faulty views of Christology, uh, particularly on the nature of Christ and his, hum- and his human nature, formerly was not counted among those Christian denominations, but was regarded as a as a cult thereof. However, that has changed in the minds of, of many, and um, I think that most people would regard them as a, as a Christian denomination. Although recently, someone smarter than me said, uh, I don't know, they still have some issues that would uh, preclude them from being considered Christian. So I I don't know. Uh, I'd have now, to I'd have to learn this. I've been thinking about this because th- there's a bunch of these kind of Old Testament stuff that'll come up, and the Sabbath is one of them. It'll it comes up all the time. Uh, how should Christians teach the Sabbath? And they look at you, people say, well, here's the Ten Commandments. Here's the God said this is a perpetual sort of thing. How can it be that the Christians don't worship on Saturday? But I, I think one of the arguments, I mean, just the, the scripture that where Paul says, let no one judge you according to Sabbaths is pretty plain. So that's where we start. But there's another argument that goes like this. Remember how the, the difference between a covenant and a testament is that a covenant ends with the death of one of the people that makes a covenant, whereas a testament begins at the death of the person who gives the testament. And so um, so the covenant that God makes uh, with the people of the Old Testament can only end if God himself dies, hmm. which is precisely what happens on the cross. So when God dies in Christ on the cross, the Old Covenant comes to an end and the New Testament uh, comes into effect. So all of the folk uh, who um, want to extend the conditions of the Old Covenant into the conditions of the New Testament... Uh, make this key mistake that that covenant has ended is you know as as Hebrews says what is old is growing old and is soon ready to fade away. Now is that a hard case to make when there's no distinction in Greek words for those two words? Well, pa- Paul, uh, uh, the, well the book of Hebrews makes this uh, when especially when it talks about uh, the testament, how a testament comes into effect at the death of the testator. Right. So any any translator ought to see that word as a testament rather than covenant. Right. And, and well and it depends on the usage, but you got it but we just know that this distinction there exists the this distinction between covenant and testament even though we only have one word again both in Hebrew and in Greek for it. Mm-hmm. That the context can tell us what's going on. So when Jesus says a new testament I give to you, we say, "Huh, Jesus is establishing the will, his will and testament." Mm-hmm. That it takes effect upon his death, which yeah. is why it's so important that it happens on the night in which he was betrayed. Yeah. So this is the argument of Hebrews chapter eight and nine, especially as they bring Jeremiah thirty-one. I think is it Jeremiah thirty-one or thirty-three, where it says, "A new testament I will make with the house of Israel." Mm-hmm. And so that's um, a key a key text for us to consider. Yeah, I, I do think um, though in getting to the ladders with Seventh Day Adventists um, insisting on that. Christian worship must take place on Saturday is an effort to fulfill the law, and an effort to fulfill the law is going to be the ladder of moralism. So uh, the difference between me and you is not not to say, you know, me, Evan, and you, Brian, but the difference between me and you, says the Seventh day Adventist, is that I worship on the correct day, and you do not. And um, and what they're missing therein is the 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 what what God was showing. Forth for us in the Old Testament. So you mentioned Colossians 2 that says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food or drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or Sabbath. 
And it says, these things are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Now, that's hard to swallow on the Sabbath, so let's take a different one. Let's say say an Old Testament sacrifice. So uh, in the Old Testament, they took a lamb, uh, and they would sacrifice it, and this then, uh, I think most Christians would agree, uh, is a way that we would see what Jesus Christ is. So the Old Testament, they would sacrifice an animal, uh, a lamb, and then Jesus comes and, and John the Baptist says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So what Jesus was doing in having a sacrificial system is teaching us of what we have in Christ. And now we can apply that same principle to the Sabbath, that what God was doing in the Old Testament with the Sabbath was pointing to us what we have in the New Testament in Christ, that our rest is not in our doing, which is actually what the, the Pharisees made of the Sabbath, but our rest is in what Jesus gives to us by his death and resurrection. That's what the Sabbath is all about. Yeah. So moralism, and we have just enough time for another one. So roll the dice. Okay. Two. Uh, oh, the influential pastor Rick Warren. Man, so oh man. here's what part... an abominable list. <laughs> Here, here's a bit of a sermon by Rick Warren entitled Surrender is the Path to Peace. Where do you need to take a step of faith? Where do you need to take a baby step? What are you afraid to do? What do you know you should be doing, but you've been paralyzed and you haven't done it? I want to challenge you as your pastor, somebody who loves you, take a step of faith. I want you today to say, I'm going to do it. I'm mourning, but I'm going to start moving. I am grieving, but I'm going to start growing. I am hurting, but I'm going to start healing. I am wounded, but I'm going to start walking. I, I could have guessed it. And I am sad, <laughs> but I'm what is it? I'm going to start smiling. I am going to step out. <laughs> ah, dang. That is the path to peace. Okay, so the path to peace is to do things Smiling you actually do. would have been better there. <laughs> <laughs> the path to peace. What is this? What is this? I, I never had thought about this phrase, this cliche, uh, until right now. And now I'm thinking about it. So this is. I'm treading new ground here, but what, is, what do we mean when we say step of faith? Is it, in other, do you, you, you hear that all the time. You've got to take a well, step I, of faith. I think the picture you usually get with that is kind of the Indiana Jones thing. Remember the Indiana Jones? The, uh, the walk the walk of faith. You've got to walk the walk. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's in this, Latin, there's no J. <laughs> yeah, and he almost falls through. So he, he takes a step not knowing there's a bridge, and in fact there is a bridge. So I think that's the say that's the kind of the analogy that most people are employing here. Yeah, is it biblical? No. Is that phrase no. I'm just trying to because the walk faith, of faith, the step of faith. faith fa- look, stepping and walking are action words and faith is a believing word. It's not a thing that you do. I mean, so faith faith is a gift that's given by God and it manifests itself by simply believing in his promises. So that's that's not an action of walking. Look at the Step of Faith Christian Academy, Step of Faith Church, Step of Faith Ministries. Faith is more than believing. Take the next step, Rick Warren. 
All right, so we're we're about out of time. So I need you to nail down a ladder here. I, yeah, I think your your analysis is spot on. Faith is uh, believing the promise. This is turning faith into an act, and that's moralism. Indeed. All right, that's going to be all the time we have. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of Table Talk Radio, where the points are like the Lord's imputing iniquity to us. Do you see how he does it? Do you get it? Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the Calvinists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org.